Thank you for loving us, Father. As I minister this word, I thank you that it's your word that will produce life in every person. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, in this week, I was recording a message of, you know, for the Internet uh, Fellowship. And uh, so I was editing it and doing all of that, and I was listening to a short part of the message. And as I listened to it, I said, um, oh, and I also need to say this, my, my in-laws came and they visited us uh, for this week. And as I was listening to this message, I said, man, this is a good message. This is good. This is truth. This is good. And she said, who's preaching there? I said, it's me. She says, now, how can you say that? And then Eliana immediately came in and says, because it's the truth. <laughs> you know, it's not about who says it. It's about what he said. And, um, you know, so it's just amazing to, to, to stand in awe of the gospel and of what this message actually is and on, on how much God, to stand in awe of how much God loves us. Um, now, I'm, I'm in a series talking about the righteousness of God and His equity of character and just how good He is towards us um, in the area of actually giving us His life. And... Um, we're going to, I'm going to preach from John chapter 12 today and John 6, John 1, 1 John 1 and just talk about the life that God has come to give us and how that life is for free and how that life is um, and basically talk about how the gospel is much more than um, not standing guilty before God. Uh, not, uh, you know, like I've been talking about for a while now, where, where the gospel is m much more than just saying, well, God's got an emotion of love towards me, but where you basically start to live together with God and enjoy life with God. Uh, you know, we can, uh, when you get married, you can say to your or just before you get married, you say to your girlfriend, you know, I love you, and you can get engaged, and you, you are in love, and you, you, you acknowledge one another's love, you know, to each other, and then as you get married, you start to have that love form and shape a life. And um, this is what this is about. It's not about law. It's not about works. It's not about what we do for God. It's about the life that God shapes in us through His love for us. That is what it is, what it is all about. And that is what it boils down to. That is what it's, uh, and I think that is what, what life is about. I said to Eliana this morning, I said, you know, um, when, it come, when you come to a place in a marriage where you, you don't try to change the other one, but you just realize that this is who I've married, this is the person, and I just love this person. Just who they are and it happens from both sides there's such a joy and there's such an energy in this I mean actually uh, that's when peace enters into a relationship and that's when you can actually enjoy one another um, not that I say there cannot be any change in a, in, a, in a marriage but the moment the focus is not on trying to change the other one but seeing the other one for, for who he is and just enjoying that you know it's like um, with, with Elena can use examples from my life. I'll use examples from her life. <clears throat> it's like you said, with, you said about, we, we've got this joke. You know, Elena is either friendly, fr say, 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 or say, praise you, or say, trap you, 
that's it. And when she, so, so in other words, you know, when she's upset with it, it's not going to last very long, and then she's going to be friendly to the maximum again. Now, and so we can, that's how she is. You know, she can, uh, what was the thing that she did? I can't remember. She, she, she was talking about, man, this is a wonderful thing, and what da 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 and she was smiling, and I think she was talking to Aubrey or whatever, and then she heard another thing. Yeah, but why do you want to do that? You know, like, in the same breath, and then friendly. It's like, at school, the kid said, ma'am, at least you can be upset with us, but you don't keep it against us. You, just in five minutes, you're going to love us again. And that's just who she is. And, just, and when you realize you're not going to change that, that's who the person is. Just love that person for who, who they are. In my case, you know, um, I can only think, uh, I can only concentrate on one thing at a time. And then you can shout, you can whatever. I will not even hear anything. I'm just, like Elena would say, you're caught up in your own little world. You know, and that's, and she loves me like that, and thank God. So in the same way with our relationship with God, when we come to a place where we realize the love that God has for us, and when we realize who this God is, when we realize we've come, we've come to deal with a God that's not going to change. He is, uh, he is romantic. He is one who loves. He, he loves to give. He is a person that, um, in his personality, he's just, he wants to give us things and make us happy on account of, on his account, and not on our own account. And that's how he wants to bless us. And we've come to deal with such a God. And we need to accept that. We, ne we need to accept him just the way he is. He's not going to change. You know, we're not going to have God tomorrow change his way of doing. He's been a God that has had relationship is important for him. He's a God that, um, that, that it's important for him that it goes well with you. It is important for him that you live out of him. It's important for him to, to see that, that you have eternal life. It's important for him to see that you share in his quality of life. And it's so important for him that he said that he'll take all the responsibility to bring all of this forth onto him. That, that is, that's how it's, and we've got this God. We, we, th this is the God that we've come to deal with. This is the God that's reached out to us. This is our creator. And like in a relationship, let us not try and change him. Let him be, you know, who he is. Allow him to be himself towards us. And um, let us just look at this love of God towards us from John. It says here in John 12, verse 23, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Now, when Jesus was talking about the Son of Man here, um, the, He was talking about mankind, and it was He was referring to mankind, and He was also referring to Him as a person. Um, and to the glorification that can come to Jesus in what He would do for us. You know, a plant is glorified, and if I want to explain the word glorify here. A plant, um, when a plant is glorified, is glorified in, the, in what the plant produces. So if you would take a tree, that tree will grow, and you will see that tree. And that tree would be awesome and beautiful. But when that tree produces a seed, and the seed falls in the ground, and then produces trees that look like that tree, 
then that tree is glorified in the fruit that the tree bears. That is the context of glorification here. And then he goes on and he says, he says, He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. He's even talking about himself there. He was not just talking about us or the principle of loving life in this world. He was also talking about himself. He said, if I love my life in this world, I, Jesus, if I love my life in this world, if I love just to be the Son of God with power and anointing in this world, and I love to live in this world, you know what will happen? I'm going to lose my life. But if I'm willing to die and give up the life in this world, then I will keep my life eternally. And the way wherein Jesus would keep his life eternally is two ways. He'll be raised from the dead and his life will be multiplied into us. And we, would, we will look like him on account of what he has done for us. And this is the love of God. This is this God that we've come to deal with that's got a compassion for man, that's got a passion to share his quality of life, that wants to see others partake in his life. So what he's saying here, and let me just quickly wrap up the, the, these, these, um, these couple of verses. He says, the Son of, God, Son of Man must be glorified. Okay? The way glorification work is, he says, accept, uh, sorry, let me just read verse 24. Verily I say unto you, accept of corn of wheat, fall into the ground and die. It abides alone, but if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life um, in this world will lose it, but he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So what he is saying here is very simple. If a seed, calls himself a seed, he says, if this seed dies, it will produce plants that looks exactly like the plant that gave the seed. Now, we've been talking about what God has promised us before time. Now, um, Titus 1 verse 2 says that before time, God has promised us eternal life. And this life was with the Father from the beginning. With the living Father, we found a certain quality of life. This quality of life that God has is such a high quality of life that it, does, it, it possesses the ability to, um, to, to exist forever. Now let me explain that quickly. Um, when we look at... Rome, for instance, and the Roman Empire, or when we look at this great Babylonian Empire, or all those kind of things, we would see that they have a certain wisdom, they have certain power and certain knowledge, but it couldn't last forever. It would last for maybe a thousand years, and then cease to exist. Come to a fall. Because the kind of life they live, that is in Afrikaans, it is not a fallhoubare leven nie. It gaan tot die einde kom. But God's life is a life that can exist forever. The life where you love, the life where you've, you've got compassion, the life of mercy, the life of kindness, that life is of such high quality that it will last forever. The life of, it's about me exalting my own kingdom, me just getting a, a, a bigger house, a bigger car, just about me and and. and 
me, myself and I and having my identity in what I do and what I possess, it can have a great empire, but it will always come to a fall. It cannot produce eternal life. But the life that God has, the eternal life that was in the Trinity from before time, the love life, the, the compassion life, the kindness life inside the Godhead, which was before time, was promised unto man, meaning that that life will also give us the ability to exist and live forever on account of God's life inside us. That was promised from the beginning. That's the life Jesus had before He became a human. That was the life God had all the time. Now, he says here, and, and, and that life we would liken to a plant. Let's say a tree. And then that tree will produce a seed. That seed can be likened to Jesus that became flesh. And then when that seed would die, it would produce a plant that it looks exactly like the tree that produced the seed, which is then, in this case, the life that is in the Trinity, inside God, before time was, an eternal life. That is what God has come to give man. This is what He's saying here. He is saying, Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And how will the fruit look? It will be a fruit of the original plant. That's what it will, will bring forth. And what's beautiful here, it is called a fruit. I like uh, the way Jesus speaks, the way John wrote it down, the way the Apostle Paul talked about a holy life. He always connects a holy life to fruit. Um, and the word fruit, and they always liken it to a plant or something that will, or even animals, that produces fruit. And when you look at fruit, it always puts the emphasis on the plant to bring it forth. So whenever we look at um, a holy life, God comes, when you look at eternal life, it is, it is connected to God bringing forth fruit and then we are the fruit. So when he says here that he is a seed, he calls himself a seed, he says, if I die, then the seed, which is Jesus, will produce much fruit, which is us. And that fruit will be equal to the plant, not the seed. <laughs> you, must, you must realize, that seed doesn't give birth to seeds. That seed gives birth to a plant. Okay? So the plant, the life of God before time, produced a seed called Jesus. That seed was a man incarnated into sinful flesh. That plant, that seed fell into the ground and died. Jesus went into the earth three days. The seed died and then produced a plant that will have a lot of fruit that looks like the original plant, which is the eternal life of God, which was before time. Now, that can never be reached by human effort. That can never even be reached by human desire or want for it, or desire for it. It can only be 
reached by the doing of God. Amen. I hope it is too complicated. I try to explain as simple as possible. So what he's talking about, he's talking about a light that's going to produce a life in us. He's talking about a light that will produce life. He's talking about, when you look at a seed, a seed, when a seed, when a tree has seed and the seed falls on the ground and produces other plants that looks like the original plant, we call that plant a child of the mother plant. The same with animals, children, and all of that. It is a fruit of the original. And it looks like the original. It's got all the attributes of the original in it. Now, listen to verse 36 in John. He says, While we have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light. Okay. So Jesus comes and He says, This life, of mine, where I am going to die, where I'm going to be raised again, where I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. This life, this eternal life that was with the Father, with the living Father from the beginning, this life, you see this life, believe in this life, believe in this light that you may be children of the light. So what he's saying here, um, he's saying, He's basically saying, when you believe, when your mind goes to rest at the integrity of this light and what God has come to do in Christ for us, then we, then this light will produce its life inside us. That's it. So what he's actually saying here when he says, believe in the light that you might be children of the light, he's saying, allow the light to bring forth life in you. He's not commanding you to to live a certain way. He's not commanding you to do anything. He is, the command is that you trust the light to bring forth life in you. Now let's go and look at this light quickly and what this light is. John 1. And I, man, I can't remember what I preached here two weeks ago, but um, 1 John 1. I want to mention this here this morning. It says, That which was from the beginning, this is 1 John 1 verse 1, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now listen to what he says. That which, we, that which was from the beginning. What was from the beginning? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1. Okay? He says, that which was from the beginning, we have seen, we have touched, we have felt, and our hands have handled, and what we have seen, and what, what we have felt, and what our hands have handled, is the Word of life. I'm going to explain that. Let me read the verse again. That which was from the beginning, before time. Remember what we talked about, what God promised man before time? What did He promise man before time? Eternal life. His quality of life. 
Okay, so what is the word of life? It is the message that God will give you life, His quality of life, that your life will be a planting of the Lord. As the Bible says in Isaiah, we shall be called trees of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. So what he's saying is, I promise you that the life that I have, I will reproduce it and it will be of such a high quality and such a kind of life that it will never die, it will eternally exist, it will also be inside a human body. That is God's promise from before time unto us. That was the promise all the time during the Old Testament. That was the promise in the New Testament. What we have done in, in, in church is we have skipped the whole context of life and we have actually said we've made life heaven. We've said, well, the only thing that's going to happen is we're going to live on this earth, then we're going to die, and then we're going to go to heaven and so be with the Lord forever. Now, that is true that we will, when you die in this world, if I die here, if you die, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to be with the Lord. But then that, this body still needs glorification, even if you've died, is going to raise that body up and so we will be with the Lord in that glorification, in the likeness of His resurrection, we'll be in that today. But what we need to understand is, the promise that God made towards us is a promise that all the death in our bodies, all the sin of the flesh, and all those kind of things, He declared as His enemy, and He will conquer it by His doing in us, and so give us life. That's it. The Bible says the last enemy that will be conquered is death. That means there is a first and a second and a third enemy. And one of the enemies uh, that there is, enemies of God, is a, a, a wrong belief, for instance. To believe that you must be saved by your works. That's enmity against God, the Bible says. And Jesus came and conquers it. How does He conquer it? God conquered it by bringing Christ and bringing the true belief about man towards man so that that can be conquered in our belief system. So we can find that God has conquered uh, 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 the, 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 this whole thing about I must live by works, conquered that in our lives by bringing the truth to us. In the same way, He will conquer things that destroy your life in you by His doing. All we do is we believe and trust the light, and then we are children of this light. In the same way, He will conquer death, physical death in your body. He'll conquer it. He will conquer it. Now, we are in that process wherein God is conquering these things in our lives, and even if we die, there'll be a day when Jesus returns. And when He returns, the Bible says, death shall be swallowed up by life, and the dead shall be raised. But we are in that process wherein we see God bringing forth fruit in us, wherein we see Him, we see that plant growing and becoming full, bigger and bigger, until it comes to maturity. And that maturity will be in the day Jesus returned, wherein we are made immortal. And we are now enjoying the power of life inside us, wherein we see how the things of this world fall off our backs, how we find the joy of the Lord manifesting in us, on account of God promising this to us. And Him bringing it forth. 
He died that he will not abide alone as the only one that possesses life and immortality. He died so that he can bear much fruit, which is us. Isn't that good news? Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Listen to this again. John 1, 1 John 1 verse 1. That which was from the beginning. In other words, that promise of life which was from the beginning. Which we have heard about. What the people heard about in the Old Testament. And this was the Old Testament belief of the, of the Jews. They, they believed, the Pharisees especially, um, they believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed in the Old Testament that when the Messiah come, the Messiah will never be able to die. That's what they believed. That's why when Jesus said, I must die, they said, how can that be? For our prophetic word says that the Messiah will never die. So then you can't be the Messiah if you're going to die. So they believe the Messiah is going to live forever, and then those who are part of the Messianic reign, and those that believed in the law and obeyed the law, they would be raised up and reign with Him eternally on the earth having an undying body. That's the context in the Old Testament wherein the gospel was preached in Jesus' time. So when, when, when Jesus came and He said that He must die, it was a massive thing. It, that's why Peter said, may you never die. Because Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this. But then, just after that, I'm going to die. Then Peter said, no, you can't die, because then you're not the Messiah. Because the Messiah will never die, he will live forever. That's what they believed. But they didn't understand that Jesus could be raised up, and through that belief, he will raise up a people that has got his life and so live with him. They didn't believe that. that I mean, that, that they, could, they didn't understand that. So when we, when we come here, um, I, mean, I mean, so the Old Testament people had this promise that there will be a man, a Messiah, that can never die. That has got so much of the original life that God has promised, which is eternal life, not just going to heaven, eternal life. I don't know how to say it in different words, because we've got such blockages in our brain when we say eternal life. Because we've separated eternal life from our bodies. We've made eternal life a spiritual thing. Only spiritual. And we are actually just a spirit. We have a soul which we don't really understand what it is. And then we live in a body which we call a dirt bag that we don't care for. But that's not what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said your body is the temple of God and it is holy. He even says, how can you take your body and make it one with a prostitute? Don't you know that he that is one, uh, what, he, that, he that's a believer in the Lord is one spirit with God? So what he was saying is that your spirit is so part of your body that you are one spirit with the Lord, for God is spirit, we're one spirit with Him, and if we take this body and make it part of a prostitute, then he says that you are actually joining God to death and sin. That's how much the Apostle Paul looked at the human body as the temple of God. So, when we see this gospel, and we know the Apostle Paul said, sin is in the flesh, we know that this glorification can now come to my body, and I can find that by His doing, um, I am set free from the fruit of the flesh, or the works of the flesh. By His doing. All I do is I believe in the light, and then I'll be a child of the light. 
John comes and he says, you know that word that there was a promise that there will be an undying human being? The Messiah? He says here, it was the word of life. The word that says there will be somebody that will live and have eternal life. He says here, our hands have handled that word. We've seen that word. We've touched that word. And we want to declare to you the message which was from the beginning. The promise that was from the beginning was fulfilled and we saw the first one that entered that life. Our hands have handled him. So this is not a, we, and this is a wonderful thing, because they, they could believe that you could die and go to God, you know, and, and your spirit will return to God. They believed that, you know. Only some of the Jews, like the Sadducees, didn't even believe in an afterlife. But some of them, the Pharisees, believed that, and then they believed that you will be raised again. But he says, listen, what, I, what I'm talking about here, what John says, what I'm talking about here is not the word of a spiritual life. The word that I'm talking about is the word that God would grant life to man. And the first one we will see with that life is the Messiah. And the messianic reign of that life will come to earth. That's what the, and we, this is what he says here, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. <laughs> so what is he saying? He's saying the eternal life that was with the Father came into human flesh and he I mean, Jesus died. When He was died, He rose up from the dead and we could handle a physical man that conquered death, conquered all of sin, and that is the word of life. God can do it. And we can believe it. And He will do it. Any message that will tamper with just believing that God will do it, will bring forth more death in us. So we cannot go and say, I'm going to produce life in me. I'm going to work this. I'm going to work this. No. God has promised from before time. So when I look at my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children, my relationship with friends, church, whatever, I'm saying, God has promised me life. And that life came to earth. And we could see that that life conquered all death. Because when Jesus died, He took the death of all people onto one man. Okay? All people's death. The death of all people that was, that is, that is to come. All the death of all people was put onto one man. And then God's promise, God promised life. Then the death of all, all death that there could ever be, could not be more powerful than the word of promise of life. And God raised him. And now he gives to us the very same spirit that raised Jesus from all death so that I can say, by this spirit of Christ, the spirit of God, I, in my relationship with my wife, can experience 
expect the quality of God's life in a love relationship, in kindness, in compassion, in care towards her and my kids and others. When I come and I preach here, I can come and I can say, you know, what a joy to stand here and share with you, not just from an obligation to preach or take up an offering, but to stand here and share with a compassion of the compassion of God towards man and have the life of God, have the light give, give birth to light in me and that quality of life makes, br brings so much life to you that you can even see it in your body, that you can see the life-changing things happening in our body. And then one day, in the return of Christ, we will see the undying body. When we see His body come, when we see the Messiah come to this earth, all those that has His Spirit will have His body. And so we will live. There was a word of life, a word of promise of life given to us. So what must we do? Believe in the light that you might be children of the light. What is this light? John 1. We read first John 1, now we read John 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, in the beginning was the Word of eternal life. And this message of eternal life was with God, and this eternal life is God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things that came into existence, in other words, all life that there is, came by this eternal life that God has. And nothing that was made was made without this message of eternal life. So what he's saying is, how will we have any good created in us without the message of God promising us life? <laughs> how will you have it born in you? Nothing that was created was created without the Word. The Word is the message of God's eternal life, which is God's logic, wherein God's life is your life. Nothing that was created was created without that word. So how will you have anything like kindness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness, anything created in your life outside of the word of life? Impossible. How will that word bring forth something in you? By entering you like a seed, entering your heart, the way something enters your heart is by faith. When you believe in something, it gets into the core of your being. That's it. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Listen to this. In Him, this is in this word, was life. And the life is the light of men. So what does John say? He says, in this message of God promising you life is life. So in other words, if you can believe that God has promised you life, inside that message is something that will actually produce life in you. <laughs> in the beginning was the message or the promise that God made to give man life. It was from the beginning. He promised it to man. This life 
that what God promised, we could even see this life. We could handle this life. This is not pie in the sky. This is real. I thank God that Jesus, when He came, He physically died and was physically raised. One of the greatest scriptures in the Bible, to me, is not just the scripture where it says He was raised, but where it says, Jesus said, take your hand, put it in my side. Thank God for Thomas, man. Take your hand. A ghost or a spirit doesn't have flesh and blood. Jesus said it. Why? Because He promises us life. That's what He's come to promise us. We can never produce that life. And the way we will receive that life is by believing. The Bible says, through faith and patience we inherit the promise. When shall we have this immortal body? In the day Jesus returned. When shall we have the first fruit of this, wherein we see the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in us? Today. But what must we believe? Believe the word of life. Not the word of, I'm just dying and I'm worthless and I'm just going to go to heaven one day because God loves me. No, 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 there's much more. There's much more. There's an expectation that we can have today. Amen. This is why, people, this is why we get some things in the Bible called, or gifts in the Bible called, signs, wonders, and miracles. Because where does signs, wonders, and miracles take place? Inside the human body. Because what does that sign and that wonder talk about? It is a sign of the word of life. Here's somebody that's got cancer. The body is dying. Somebody comes and says, in the name of Jesus. What does he do? He says, what does Jesus talk about? He says, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall forgive or set his people free from their sins. The wages of sin is death. So what does he set us free from? Sin and death. Now we come to somebody with cancer and we pray. What happens to the cancer? Oh, the guy got healed or the lady got healed. What does that mean? This is a sign of what? of the life to come to the human body in the return of Christ, where even if we have died, He will raise us up. It's also a sign of the supernatural power of God inside our bodies to conquer sin. Where it's not our obligation, but His. Is <laughs> Jerusalem still in the church today, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this message of life came and dwelt among us. And when we saw this Word made flesh, that God can bring life, dwelt among us. We saw what this word could do. It died, it took all sin and all death, but the promise was, more, was stronger than all sin and all death. The promise of life. So that we could see God's doing. We can believe upon it. When we believe upon it, what happens? That life has got access to us. That's what's called grace. The Bible says by faith we've got access into grace. Now we see God's divine influence upon our hearts was made flesh. 
meaning He's come to divinely influence us that we can believe again that what God has promised from the beginning that we would live. That we can have that. We see that it influences our heart unto the manifestation. That's why it was such a big thing for God when He said to Adam and Eve, don't eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil for you will die. And that is not my will for you. My will for you is to behold the tree of life and to have life from me, me giving you life. But thank God that we've got access to the tree of life in Jesus Christ. And so we find that the whole gospel is about God not commanding us to do things so that He can one day grant us life, but allowing God to give us the life He's always promised us. There's a big difference, people. We have lived a life for so long where it was, obey these things and then one day we will not even be granted life. We will just be granted to go to heaven. That's it. But here we see a message that made the Apostle Paul write what he wrote. We see a revelation here that Paul came and said, your body, your physical body is the temple of God. He says, don't you know you are holy? All of a sudden, we start to understand, you know, why uh, Paul would talk about sexual immorality. Because it wasn't a law that you need to obey so that God can do something for you. It was a revelation of the value of the human and what we've been made for. And then he said, when we were under the flesh, the, the, the ministration of death brought forth all these fruit in us. Now that we are in grace, we cannot make our bodies available for these things anymore, for we are the temple of God, my goodness. You see, we don't have... We, what we've done, even in the New Testament church, is we've, we've, we would say, don't do these things, but we would never know why. Why would Paul write something like that? And if you've got this, this in, your, in, in your mind, I mean, I was just this morning, we were, um, man, I didn't want to get out of bed this morning. It was Leo. But after I took the bath, I said to Eliana, I'm so glad I woke up because I'm so excited to preach this word today. And we were still lying in bed and I was holding her hand. And while I was holding her hand, I took her hand and I kissed her hand. And I just felt in my heart when I did that, I didn't even say it to her. I'm saying it to her now the first time. When I did that, I felt here is somebody that is so holy, who is so valuable, and even her body is so valuable that when I hold her hand, I feel in my heart that this is value. You know, it's like, my goodness, you know, the opportunity that I can actually touch someone else's body. I can actually hug the temple of God. You know, there's another way of looking at things, man. And this cannot be born from a lesson someone tries to teach you. It comes from a love relationship with God wherein you start to see what the Apostle Paul saw. People, you are very valuable 
And the plan that God had with man isn't just a fairy tale. He's come to give us life. He's come to give us life. And let us believe in the light that we might be children of the light. Amen. Father, I want to thank you so much for your love towards man. You've come to give us life. I thank you, Father, that I don't have to see myself just as a three-part being, but I can see myself as a human, somebody that you love, that you didn't make a mistake in giving us a body, that you've come to redeem us wholly, completely. And thank you, Lord, that we can stand in the presence of your promise and we don't make you a liar by saying we don't believe you. We say we believe. We believe, Lord. We, we believe we've heard the message of life, we've heard the word of life, uh, and we can see how this word of life will produce light in us. And thank that we don't walk in darkness anymore, but we walk in the light of life. Thank you, Father. I want to pray for this congregation here, Lord. Such special people. Such a special place in your heart, in my heart. That's, Lord, why it's so wonderful to fellowship with one another, to hug one another, to drink a cup of coffee together. Because we're not just connected in spirit, but we can see the very temple of God. We can see. We, it's, it's not complete unless we can see and touch one another. Thank you for that value, Lord. Thank you for the revelation that you bring to us in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you, Lord, in this time when I'm going to Europe that I can just, as my heart would long uh, to be with, with my friends here, I thank you, Lord, that you just protect each one of them. I thank you, Lord, that you just pour out your Spirit and the revelation knowledge in them in a way that they can just see how high, how wide, how deep, and how long your love is. I thank that you multiply the grace, the divine influence upon the heart, and the manifestation in life. I thank you, Lord, that's what ta will take place in each one of them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Glory to God.